0: Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. If you're having a case of the Mondays, hopefully we can help you get over those. Keep the text coming. Text line getting lively, 704-570-9610. Mike from Mooresville says we're hearing The Rock will challenge Roman at Mania, but I think Cody is going to get himself in this. A la Daniel Bryan 2014. There's no steam in this rock match, and I think Philly will crap all over. So, Walker and Philly, I know this isn't necessarily you guys' forte.
1: Who can forget Daniel Bryan in 2014?
0: <laughs> but this weekend, man, it went down on SmackDown. Uh, Cody came out there to make his choice for who he was going to battle at WrestleMania for the championship. Gave a long, drawn-out speech, and then The Rock comes out there. And uh, they just stare each other down at the end of the show and nothing was said. But Cody made the announcement that he was not going to battle Rock at WrestleMania. And it is pretty much a done deal that it's going to be Rock and Roman. Now, why is this a big deal? The fans were hot. Because they felt like that WrestleMania was the chance for Cody Rhodes to end his story, son of Dusty Rhodes, for those of you who do not know that, and thought this was going to be his chance to seal the deal after winning back-to-back Royal Rumbles. But no, here comes The Rock and his selfish behind to come out there and hijack the show, especially because he's a board member of the company. and. WWE got their most disliked video they ever put on YouTube. It was at 600,000 dislikes and counting. They put Rock on the board at a WWE live event. It got booed. Uh, a lot of people, I listened to Busted Open this morning, and they were tight, especially the host Dave LaGreca. He loves his brother as well, but he was tight. And a lot of WWE Boys fans ass. are very upset <laughs> at The Rock because they feel like that he found a way to hijack A great matchup that everybody was looking forward to. Put a dash to Cody Rhodes' championship hopes and making it all about himself like a lot of people feel like The Rock
1: loves to do. I know people were real angry this weekend. I didn't watch, clearly. I didn't know how many people were going to tune in. I realized that it was a huge event. All I realized was, you're right, I saw the same thing that you just said. It was the most disliked video they ever put out on YouTube. People not happy. Or are people angry with The Rock or just the oh, entire situation Oh, yeah, people are angry with general? The Rock
0: because we know what happened with DC. He was a big reason why DC Films blew up because of his selfish desires. And a lot of people feel like that this is the same thing, that The Rock mm. is coming out there and he's trying to hijack it and he's taking away a story that a lot of people want to see. Cody Rhodes is arguably the most popular guy in WWE. You let the guy win back-to-back Royal Rumbles. You think the story's going to finish at WrestleMania and then boom. Here comes Dwayne Johnson self-serving ass to come out there and hijack the show. So, yeah, man. Let us know what you think about that one. Are you guys hype about it? I mean, I'm still excited to see these two go at it, but The Rock came back before in 2014 or 15, uh, somewhere in that range, and they were not excited uh, about how he performed. But, hey, I've been for this match for a while, but I do want to see Cody get the belt, too, because he's becoming one of my favorites. And now, we will go to the campus. Count All right, we've been talking about it a lot during this show. Obviously, Carolina and Duke, huge matchup, and the Heels emerged victorious. So for those who are just tuning in, The Tar Heels got the victory. Armando Baycott, 25 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Big time game from him. Oh, he was great. Second Tar Heel and first since Charlie Scott to compile. You know Charlie Scott from Fitty's team that was going to the sock hop after they won uh, a game in our challenge. Charlie, I'll see you out
1: at the malt shop for a (laughs) nice milkshake, huh? Yeah.
0: Since Charlie Scott to compile at least 25 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists versus Duke. Carolina improves to 25 and 24, so a grudge match of sorts when both teams are ranked in the AP Top 10. Carolina had five turnovers, the fewest in the game under Hubert Davis. They shot 50% in the game for the fourth time this season, and they outscored Duke and bench points 14 to 6. They are undefeated when they get more bench points than the other team. And also, as I said earlier, Harrison Ingram, 21 points, 13 rebounds, five threes, had four steals. Seventh double-double on the season, 12th of his career, Carolina 7-0 oh, when Ingram has a double-double, R.J. Davis 17 points, and for Duke, a little bit of positivity, three different Blue, uh, blue Devils, I was about to call them Bulldog. finished with at least 20 points for the first time since February 26, 2022, when Charlotte Hornet, Mark Williams, Paolo Benquero, and A.J. Griffin did so at Syracuse. So, We've been talking a lot about this game and what happened. Let's get to who we think the star of the night was
1: and our not-so-star of the night was. Me? I'll go uh, Harrison Ingram for me, I think, over Baycott. And I know I think he was awarded the player of the game afterwards. I wouldn't have minded too much either way. I think if, again, I was the one that was deciding... I would have gone with Harrison Ingram as well. I thought he was great on both ends of the floor. How about four steals for him on top of the 21 points and 13 rebounds? It just felt like that emotion from him, too, really carried into and matched the environment. Well, Armando is great, I just, and and the he's got the emotion as well. We saw it with the Filipowski celebration, but Harrison Ingram's emotion is just all sorts of fiery all the time.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Armando Baycott because this is the type of game I had been calling for from him. 25 points, 10 of 13 from the field, super efficient, 10 boards, like I said, five assists, and I think that's the type of games he's going to have to have. He's going to need at least two of those in their NCAA tournament run, in my opinion, if they're to win a national championship. Biddy, before you let us know who you pick, let's hear from Hubert Davis on the conversation he had with Armando and how great he was on Saturday night.
2: No, we did. I mean, we had a really nice time together, just um, – you know, talking about him and, and what is needed for him personally and for our team to be the best that he can be. People have told me that he's has said um, that you know he's he, taking a reserve role or you know this is this person's team and my my role has changed. And I told him I, I, I've never told you that. For us to be the best team that we can be, we need you being a dude. And so we need RJ scoring 20. We need you get 20 and 20 rebounds. And I said, look, I've never been a person that points fingers and never self-evaluates and looks at myself. And I said, look, I think, one, being more aggressive and working harder to get the ball, and then me and tweaking in, uh, some of our plays to be able to get your ball a little bit easier in spots where you can be effective. And I just, Armando was terrific. All
0: right, Fitty. so who did you think? Who was your star tonight?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Baycott. You put up 25-10, five assists, the first guy to put together that stat line since Charlie Scott did so back in 1970. And, look, we talked about going in. This is a legacy-defining game. Had he lost, he'd have finished his Carolina career 1-4 at home. And, look, the road win at Cameron and Coach K and the Final Four win, they outweigh that. But you don't want to be remembered for losing your last game at home against Duke. And so to put together that type of performance and the matchup that we knew was going to determine the eventual outcome of the game, it's hard for me to look at that game and say they win the game without Armando Baycott doing what he did. Yeah, my
0: not-so-star of the night or the dud or whatever you want to call him, I'm going to go with Tyrese Proctor. I have been singing his praises saying that he needed to finally play like the first rounder that he was projected to be before the season, and then he has a nice couple of games. But his last couple of outings, including Saturday night, two points, one of six from the field, two assists for him, that's just not going to cut it from this guy. He's got to come to the table – and deliver for Duke on a night-in, night-out basis. He's the point guard. He's the NBA prospect. He's the guy that's got to come in there and get the job done. about uh, the only thing good that he did do, he only had one turnover, but he only had two assists and three rebounds in 26
1: minutes. Basically a pointless outing for Tyrese Proctor. Tyrese Proctor, certain, I think defensively on R.J. Davis, he would have gotten a lot of love. But then the first, uh, second half, or uh, excuse me, then the second half happened with R.J. Davis going off for 13 points, and then I think he did a good job there. I I think the not so star for me, you know, Cadeau is a guy that maybe comes to mind. But in the first half, at the beginning of the game, he was playing really well, and then you had to take him off of the floor in the second. And I I love Cadeau. I think he's very good. And then I think he was the reason as to why they were scoring. He really helped them get up and down the floor at the beginning of this game. But then, Wes, they finally decided, all right, we're going to give you all the space in the world. Even with the space we give you, we're not going to allow you to drive towards the bucket. And you got to shoot. Like, if you if you don't shoot here, then we're going to clown you even for not attempting. And at least he didn't airball any of those threes, but wide open, he still couldn't get any of them to go. And so Hubert Davis does have to bring him off of the floor and then go with a different lineup. And I think that's something they're going to have to figure out when he's on the floor. Like, that is something that is going to be a problem for them. But they were able to figure it out in this game. You bring in Seth Trimble, who's been good off of the bench. So it feels weird to go with a not-so-star for him. Like, I do think Tyrese Proctor is a good name. I'll go with Cadeau, though, for the Tar Heels because of the way that Hubert Davis took him off, and then they started to perform and separate themselves a little more in the last part of the second
0: half. All right, Fetty, who's your dud, and would you then call him Elliot Kakant?
3: Yeah, no, I, I don't look at <laughs> – I'm not going to pick a dud from the, the, the winning team. It was That's it was, why I didn't pick him either. It was Tyrese Proctor. You knew how important he was going to be going into the game. This game is like a tournament game where guard play ultimately determines the outcome, and Jeremy Roach did his part. Like, you know, he he, he carried their backcourt along with Jared McCain, who played at a really high He's level. But, you know, with, with Proctor being as big a non-factor as he was, that was as big a reason why Carolina won the game. Um, and, I, and I think you look at Elliott Cadeau as a freshman the first time in that rivalry. You shouldn't expect the world out of him. And with, with what Seth Trimble was able to do off the bench. Shows you how much he's improved and how much coaching matters.
0: All right, so if we turn around and look at Duke, uh, who we haven't talked a ton about, 1-10, to how good do we feel about them after last night? I'll start the conversation. Uh, I'll go with a 7, and I'm going with that just off of the pedigree. I know when two good teams play each other more times than not, they're going to split. So I'm going to go with that. I think Duke will bounce back. I think this still is a quality team. Not sure if they're the national champion Type of team I thought they were preseason, but I'm gonna go with a seven as far as my confidence in them.
1: I 50-50 for me. I'll go with a five. Like I don't. If if that here's the thing. If the expectations for Duke at the beginning of the season were that they're going to be one of the favorites to win the national title, have they played to that level this season? They have one impressive win non-conference, and where's the conference win that you would point to and say, "Oh, okay, now they're here." just not been as impressive to me. Yeah, I don't think that they're a bad basketball team, but I also don't think that I can point to them and say, okay, outside of Baylor, that is a squad that is ready to go when there is a monster game right in front of them. So if the idea is to say, oh, they're going to be fine, they're going to get to the NCAA tournament, they'll probably win a couple of rounds in the ACC tournament, then okay, I would go much higher than that. I would go at an eight. But if the idea is to try to match preseason expectations, then it's about 50-50 for me on whether they get hot in the second half of the year.
0: All right. Well, uh, Fitty, what do you think about the Blue Devils after
1: Saturday?
3: I'm not. I'm not as down as Walker is. I'm probably at an eight, eight and a half, like okay.
1: to meet preseason expect uh, meet preseason expectations.
3: Look, they they played well enough offensively to win. John Shire's proven he can get them to respond defensively. This team is going to be a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. They're go, they're they're still going to be a problem. And when you fill out your bracket on Selection Sunday, they're going to be deep in you know in, in in your bracket. So, have they met expectations? No. But you don't want to be playing your best basketball in February. You want to play your best basketball in March. Their best basketball is still ahead of them.